time for Baldry's Meet. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Start with Pierre Polyev. He was my first guest on the show here, and we talked about this uh, interesting policy reversal by Justin Trudeau last week, pausing the federal carbon tax on home heating oil. So this is like we were just talking off air. This is desperate politics by Trudeau here in Atlanta, Canada, right? This is where people use home heating oil. Atlanta, Canada. Purely to appease the concerns of Atlantic MPs who are reading the the tea leaves and realizing yeah. their their future is in doubt over a number of issues. But the carbon tax has become a big one in Atlantic Canada. Yeah. So you look at a there was a by election in Nova Scotia a couple months ago, a provincial by election, where the Conservative candidate ran on a purely anti carbon tax uh, campaign. And took a seat from the Liberals that the Liberals had held for 20 years, a safe Liberal seat, went down to defeat over the carbon tax. Yeah. So I think you got some panic in the Liberal camp. I mean, they're flailing away low in the polls on a number of issues right across Canada. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, this thing was announced in the afternoon, caught the government here by surprise, the provincial right. government. So here we have BC, the leading province when it comes to... The carbon tax, the first province, first jurisdiction ever to institute a tax on carbon, um, uh, introduced by Gordon Campbell in 2008. Right. It's grown since then, so sort of dwarfed the other provinces, uh, but not even acknowledging to BC that, you know, even a heads up. And yeah. you get this news release from Josie Osborne, the Energy Ministry, Environment Minister George Heyman, cobbled together in the afternoon, expressing disappointment and promising some sort of action about uh, presumably about home heating. Now, that's a very small, small number of people in, in B.C. percentage-wise have oil as their home heating. Less basis. than 2%. Yeah. So it's not a... It's, Most people use natural gas. Yeah, it's not as big deal out here. But yeah. I don't think you're going to see the government here uh, take any action on natural gas prices. Mm. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. I've been saying for some time that the carbon tax is not like it used to be. It's now factored into our sort of in the argument now the overall picture of cost of living increases. The carbon tax goes up every April first. Will yeah. it continue to go up? As is the plan, or is is Trudeau signal now a shift in the federal policy that's going to be downgrading the, the carbon tax, and does that translate into provinces shifting their policies? So we're in a whole new uh, ball game here. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we still don't know where BC United stands on this issue in terms of whether or not they advocate pausing the tax, freezing the tax, creating more exemptions. I think Kevin Falcon, the leader there, has expressed some some sympathy for the agriculture community, the, the yeah. farmers who uh, pay pay this uh, particular tax, and it can hit them fairly hard disproportionately. So I think you're going to see the carbon tax. Emer- potentially emerge as a campaign issue it's on some front. You already got John Rustad and the Conservatives, you yeah. know, no-brainer. They're going to say, scrap the carbon tax. Sure. But we're talking next year $3 billion worth of revenue yeah. from the carbon tax. What do you do to replace that revenue? That's a ton of revenue. Were just to scrap. So I don't think you're going to see BC United say scrap the carbon tax, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, one or more parties say at least freeze it. Let's listen to Pierre Polyev. So the federal conservative leader, of course, he wants to scrap the whole carbon tax. Never mind on just home heating oil, but on, on everything, natural gas, gasoline, propane, scrap all of it, he says. Here's what he had to say to me this morning a short time ago. So British Columbians are going to have to pay home heating taxes on their propane or natural gas, and uh, they will not get the break that he is promising 
others. A Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. We can't have one set of taxes for the East and another set for the West. Everybody should be treated equal, and I want all home heating to be tax-free. Well, you have different taxes in different places. Alberta doesn't have a sales tax. I, I, I assume Paul is talking about federal taxes, but it's nonsense to think that provinces don't have different tax regimes. As I say, Gordon Campbell brought in the first carbon tax in North, North America. Yeah. Uh, we were way different than other provinces when it came to the carbon tax. But Paul has got a good issue for him. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's not the big revenue generator nationally that it is uh, percentage-wise as it is provincially for BC. So it's a different argument out here than it is in Nova Scotia. But um, Trudeau, I think, was uh, panicking a bit. And Poliev just loves every minute of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he already had his 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 uh, TV ads running long before Trudeau moved on the carbon tax, where Poliev just wants to get rid of the tax, uh, pure and simple. Okay, let's listen to a little Bring It Home to British Columbia here and how the politics of this could emerge. So you mentioned John Rustad, the leader of this upstart B.C. Conservative Party. Here he is speaking in the B.C. legislature last week on the provincial carbon tax. Let's listen. This NDP carbon tax is taking more than $3 billion from British Columbia families, getting them less at the pumps, driving up inflation at the grocery store, and adding to the cost of every new home built in this province. Okay, he's going to piggyback on Pierre Polyev here on the carbon tax. Well, how he calls it an NDP carbon tax. It was brought in by the BC Liberals. By his, by his by, former by, government. His, his caucus yeah. brought that tax in. But, yeah. you know, this is, uh, Russia has nothing to lose here. Why not? He's going to go for broke and uh, promise all sorts of things that aren't necessarily uh, easy to implement. Yeah. But uh, the, the stakes are, are, he doesn't really care. I mean, he, he's trying to make some noise, try to be heard, try to get some attention. Uh, so the Conservatives are, you know, they're a threat to the BC United Party for sure, and they're going to carve out some some turf like this. And it'll be interesting whether they move the United opposition, the BC United Party, onto ground closer to where they're occupying. Right Anti carbon tax. I don't. Ooh. So far, we haven't seen that. Talk we'll about see. a flip flop. That would be. I yeah. Again, I haven't seen anything from Kevin Falcon that suggests they're going to do that. Yeah. But I think you are going to see some arguments for exemptions for industries. Perhaps a freeze uh, rather than the annual increase. Well, Falcon's already Falcon already tweeted out that BC should be part of this exemption on on yep. home heating oil. Yep. Well, I mean, it's like one point eight percent of households in BC use home yeah. heating oil. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see if anyone goes further than that. Yeah. But uh, Trudeau, by his action, has thrust the carbon tax onto the political stage. Uh, for debate. So what does EB do now? I mean, he's in a bit of a pickle on this now because they said, as you said, they said last week, well, we're going to do something. We'll respond on this, well, which you'd presume maybe they'll say, okay, we'll take the carbon tax off of home heating oil too. But as you say, does this make very, any sense at all? That, that would be a very small percentage. Well, of yeah. Users. And so, doesn't it leave like everyone else who's using natural gas to heat their home would just say, well, wait a second. What about me? Yeah. So I, I don't expect the NDP government to move much on carbon tax. Mm. Um, it's not what, although ironically, again, they opposed the carbon tax when it was introduced in yes. 2008. Yeah. It's not, it's a regressive tax. It's not based on your income. It's based well, on Well, they do have a rebate program. They do have a rebate program a lot of people are unaware of, but uh, there is a there is a, a, a rebate program there. But again, it's not inconceivable that the, the tax gets frozen yeah. going mm. forward. We'll see. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a moving target. And Trudeau's, as I say, his action has opened the door. I think you're going to see some more changes to the carbon tax. Okay, speaking of a moving target, let's talk about the target to go 100% electric mm. vehicle sales in British Columbia. So the government just moved up the deadline for this now. 2035, 
is the new deadline to go 100% EV sales in BC. Let's listen to the energy minister here. This is Josie Osborne. You'll also hear a Victoria car dealer here, Brandon Cott. Let's listen. It'll put us on track to meeting our 100% sales target by 2035. I would say that that's very aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive. Well, you you know, I talked to Josie Osborne in the hallway on Thursday or Friday about this thing. Are you really sure about this? I mean, they're moving up the target from 2040 to 2035 at a time. I mean, the day before her, this bill was introduced, I think it's Bill 39, I think. Um, that that changes the targets, accelerates the timeline for yeah. for achieving 100 percent of, of new light uh, light use um, vehicles to be 100 percent electric or emission free. Right, new a, new vehicles. At a, new vehicles. Yeah. At a time when General Motors, Honda, and a couple other manufacturers have changed their own programs about EVs, they've downscaled or pulled back some of their expectations and forecasts about their production. And about their investment. They're sensing a softening of the market because, again, the average price of an EV is about $73,000. The maximum rebate you get in BC for both provincial and federal is about $9,000. That still leaves a $60,000 vehicle, uh, which the vast majority of people can't afford. So uh, a lot of analysts are saying, we're going to hit a wall here when it comes to buying EVs. You know, the, the high school kid trying to get a used car uh, can still get a used car. But you, to buy new vehicles, uh, are, you, are we going to max out of the market at some point where people just can't afford, even with rebates, a $65,000 car? Then you've got issues such as the supply chain of making the battery for EVs. It's controlled by China. China's state-owned companies own almost 100% of the mines, which mine lithium and cobalt, which are used in the manufacture of, uh, of batteries. Then there's the issue of electricity supply. Yeah. If everyone was to switch to an EV, where would the electricity come from? Well, Site C would power. Chris O'Reilly, the CEO of BC Hydro, told me that Site C could power 1.7 million vehicles. But you've also got Site C being tapped for everything home, else. Everything else. 240,000 yeah. homes. Sure. Uh, need electricity uh, going forward. Again, electricity is going to be is is the centerpiece of BC's clean energy program going forward to get everyone off fossil fuels switch to electricity it's either going to be through hydro although we probably have maxed that out so now the focus will shift to wind and solar powered bc hydro is making a power call in the spring Uh, we don't know what that's going to look like yet but that's going to come back in the form of alternative energy for wind and solar but again uh, with uh, with population going up 150,000 a year going forward, uh, more and more homes need electricity. Everything needs more electricity. Then you put EVs into this. Yeah. Uh, again, skepticism. I put it to Josie Osborne. She says they've got an independent model and says this can work. So, uh, I'm, well, not, I'll I'm see. not so sure. We'll see about that. I'm not so sure about that. Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Steve in the West End. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Hey, uh, a couple stats for you. It takes 10 years starting from scratch to open up a copper mine to to mm-hmm. get the infrastructure down to make a green wave. There's been no investment in copper mines at all, really. Um, if you look at uh, t- the last 10 years, $5 trillion have been used in the Western economies to get us out of hydrocarbons, and that's created 2% of a change onto renewables with that $5 trillion. Uranium and nuclear is the only dense option. It's actually considered a green energy now with the technology they have. Uh, okay. Hybrids, 
that makes sense. Thank you, Steve, for the call. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of skepticism attached to the mass uh, manufacturing of EVs. I mean, just go. We we'll have to buy them from China if we're going well, to hit this target. Hit this target. We may have to buy from China Chinese oh. companies. Uh, you're seeing the North American manufacturers are scaling back their expectations of manufacturing EVs, even though EV uh, purchases are going up. There's no question. Yeah, uh, they are going up every year. But uh, are they going to continue to go up at the same rate? And that's the concern the manufacturers well, have. And they don't control the control the supply chain for the battery. It's controlled by China uh, state-owned mining companies. Well, it's interesting to see the BC New Car Dealers Association. I had the president on yeah. last week saying, look, we're not happy with this escalated no. target here, okay? We don't think we can hit this. And especially when they start saying, if you don't hit this 2035 target, we will fine you yeah. up to $20,000 per vehicle. Yeah. And you already talked about how expensive it is to buy one of these new cars. Well, if you start fining these these automakers for not meeting these targets, that drive the cost up even well, higher. And not only just EVs. So the new color, new car dealers point is that that could have a trickle down effect on just not Everything. EVs, all cars, the, the all vehicles. Companies absorb higher penalties. Yeah, that's going to show up on the sticker price for of non EV. Sure, sure. Cars. Jamie in Cash Creek. Hi, Jamie. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, this uh, twenty thirty electric cars without no announcements of how you're going to plug them in all over British Columbia. The uh, deadline is impossible. Like, what about all the old apartments in Cash Creek? You know, the owner's going to have to then jack the rents up that are already jacked up too much. What about the First Nations communities? What about rural communities? The uh, target is unrealistic. It is a pipe dream. Will never happen without announcements of how we're going to plug them in. Yeah, so the infrastructure associated with EVs is a great call. A big question. So there were... Government stats for almost 800 charging stations in 2016. Now we're almost 5,000. But, and the caller's phoning from Cash Creek. Once you get outside of Metro Vancouver in the urban areas, the number of charging stations, you know, goes down to not zero, but very, very few. So we don't have that infrastructure in place. And then there's also the question, and it hasn't been resolved yet, what about all the condos and stratas in apartment buildings, not just in the north and interior, but Metro Vancouver as well, that don't have charging stations. Everyone, and they don't have the capacity to put them in either. No, so everybody's parking on the street. There's not enough street parking to, yeah. to absorb all these charging stations. Then there's the, the question, will the battery work as well in cold climate yeah. in the north? So, no, BC is not just one monolithic uh, community. It's all yeah. sorts of different communities that di- have different... Uh, factors at play here, and the north and the interior are left out of the EV argument right yeah. now. Alan Langley. Al, you have 30 seconds here, okay? Go ahead. Um, we actually own a hybrid, and I think it's a, dream, a pipe dream as well, as everybody else says. But in cold weather and hot weather, our battery just disappears at a great rate. And, mm. you know, and then also that, if you know, if you just look at your power tools that are electric, if you don't, after a while, the batteries are no good, and it costs you okay. close to $200 to replace Thanks, the battery. Al. Thank you, Al. 20 seconds. Yeah, so, I mean, the good news is technology is changing, and a lot of uh, analysts say that the battery situation is going to improve, both in terms of cost and manufacturing as technology improves, and in wear and tear, and performing better in, in cold and hot weather. But right now, that's not the case. Keith, thanks a lot.